This podcast may contain adult content. Please use discretion when listening. Welcome to Heinous Hotels, a podcast about famous and infamous hotels. Find out historic and hysterical facts about your favorite travel destinations and even places you haven't heard of yet. Is your mom's favorite resort haunted? Was there an unsolved crime committed at your bucket list bed and breakfast? Did your favorite celebrity stay in the room that you're in right now? You'll have to listen to find out. Pack your bags and don't forget your passport. It's time to check in to Heinous Hotels. Today's episode is going to be the first in my series about the Chelsea Hotel. In honor of Pride Month, today's episode is mostly going to be about one person who lived at the Chelsea Hotel. I'll be talking more about their life and history than about the history of the actual hotel because I want to give a lot of time and attention to them. I'll be discussing in more detail the history of the hotel in another episode, but I promise you will love this one, so don't go away. You won't want to miss this. So, while I was researching the Chelsea Hotel, I came across an anecdote about Stormy Delarvere. I had no idea that Stormy had lived at the Chelsea Hotel. I had heard of Stormy when I was learning about Stonewall, but I had not known that Stormy had at one time lived at the Chelsea Hotel. So since a lot of people don't mention Stormy when they talk about the hotel, and also since they don't really mention Stormy as as much when they talk about Stonewall, uh, since it's Pride Month and since it's the anniversary of Stonewall this week, I felt like it was just meant for me to tell this story I tried to find the correct pronoun use for Stormy. Everything that I've read says that Stormy identified as a lesbian, and the people who knew and loved Stormy use he and him pronouns, and some who knew Stormy use she and her pronouns. In some articles, actually in most articles, Stormy is referred to as she. I'm going to assume that the people who knew Stormy know how he wanted to be referred to, and I'm going to use he and him pronouns interchangeably with she and her ones. If I'm wrong about Stormy's pronouns, I will be more than happy to re-record this whole episode with the correct ones, and especially if someone has a way to show me what Stormy's preferences were, please contact me. I did my best to research and find out because it's important to me to use a person's preferred pronouns. So with that out of the way, let's get into the episode. My sources for today's episode are, I have, I have, a, I have a long list, so just settle in. Uh, uh, let's start with Wikipedia. Retro Room on YouTube, a video on YouTube called Stonewall Veterans Talk about the night that changed the world by Gwist, that's G-W-I-S-T, a video bio by WeHo TV on YouTube, that's W-E-H-O TV on YouTube, 
a video about Stormy's life by ITL Media on YouTube. An episode um, on Stormy by The Nod, which is a podcast about black excellence by Gimlet Media. Uh, that episode is the best and most comprehensive information you can get about Stormy that I was able to find. So please go listen to that. It is so good. It's super important. Um, there's an interview in that episode with one of Stormy's best friends. It's, it was amazing. There's no way that this episode can even come close. I just, I don't have, it, it's so good. It's just so good. Just go listen. The, the books, um, that I have some information from are called Legends of the Chelsea Hotel by Ed Hamilton, This Ain't No Holiday Inn by James Lau, and Inside the Dream Palace by Cheryl Tippins. Um, another video, Real Kings and Queens of Stonewall by Matt Baum on YouTube, a video by Cat Black on YouTube called What Caused the Stonewall Riots, the documentary Stonewall Uprising by PBS, an article on LGBT, oh my gosh, lgbthistorymonth.com and lastly a website called stonewallvets.org um this is not one of the episodes the sources that i use for this episode but there is a sign language video made by rogan shannon about stonewall that you can check out rogan shannon has videos in sign language which is massively important so check that channel out After this break, we'll talk about the Chelsea Hotel, we'll talk about Stormy, Stonewall, and more. Come back now! Thank you for checking back in with Heinous Hotels. So, I'm going to go into much deeper detail in another episode, but for today, it will suffice to tell you that the Chelsea Hotel attracted artists, writers, musicians, actors, basically creative types who needed a place to live and were looking for community. The people living in the Chelsea were able to get rooms for much cheaper rent than elsewhere in the city, so that was another attraction. It is a designated NYC landmark and is on the National Register of Historic Places. The Chelsea Hotel is located in the neighborhood of Chelsea in Manhattan. It was built in the early 1880s in Queen Anne Revival and Victorian Gothic style. It has been the scene of murder, suicide, fires, tragedy, movies, documentaries, and has been depicted in art, literature, film, and television. The Chelsea has a personality all its own and, in my opinion, is a treasure for anyone interested in history and culture. The Chelsea is where Nancy Spungen, Sid Vicious's girlfriend, was killed. It's where Naked Lunch was written. Leonard Cohen wrote two songs about the Chelsea Hotel. You've probably at least heard Chelsea Hotel number two because it's about a, um, a moment in time. He shared with Janis Joplin, who also lived there at one time. Andy Warhol filmed there and some of his friends lived there. Lily Langtree, Ethan Hawke, Stanley Kubrick, Allen Ginsberg, Patti Smith, Dee Dee Ramone. It would take forever to list everyone that's lived there or visited, but I'll get to them as we go through this series. The Chelsea has often attracted outsiders and outcasts and has been the home to many people in the LGBTQIA+, as Johnny McGovern would say, community. I'll be talking about some of them in this podcast, but today I'm going to focus on Stormy Delarvere 
and his time at the Chelsea. The first thing that you need to know about Stormy is that Stormy is an American hero. That cannot be understated. Delarvray's father was Caucasian. Her mother was African American. Her mother worked as a servant for Delarvray's father's family. According to the Delarvray, she was not certain of her actual date of birth, but celebrated her birthday on December 24th. Here is a quote from StonewallVets.org. Delarvray was born way down yonder in New Orleans, Louisiana. It was not long after the end of World War I on Christmas Eve, December the 24th of 1920, ironically and prophetically the year that American women won the right to vote in America. To quote Stormy, I've been fighting for the gay community ever since. Um, Delavere had a very long time partner and girlfriend, a dancer named Diana, who lived with her for about 26 years until Diana died in the 1970s. Um, according to her friend, Lisa Canastrasi, DeLarvere carried a photograph of Diana with her at all times. Here's a quote from an article on LGBTHistoryMonth.com. This says, Stormy DeLarvere was a Stonewall veteran and the sole female performer for the Jewel Box Review a traveling drag show that toured the country from 1939 into the 1960s. At that time, cross-dressing was considered a criminal offense in most municipalities. The review included 24 drag queens and Stormy, the only drag king. When DeLarvere wasn't traveling with the troupe, she lived at the Hotel Chelsea in Manhattan and worked security at Henrietta Hudson, a well-known lesbian bar in the West Village. Constantly vigilant, DeLarvere thought of the bar patrons as her babies and patrolled the streets as their defender. So, if you go look at some pictures of Stormy and Drag, wow. Uh, Stormy was very striking and handsome and had a lovely veritone singing voice. Some of the more famous back and white pictures out there of Stormy remind me of David Bowie actually a little bit because of the lines in the jaw and cheekbones. So I think probably if you're listening to this podcast, you know about drag queens. Um, you cannot, as my dad probably would say, if he were alive right now, swing a dead cat without hitting one, <laughs> because um, they're just all over. They're all over the internet, all over social media, and I'm loving it, but um, drag kings are not something that people talk about very much. Um, I, they're just not as popular right now, but so if you don't know what a drag queen, a, a drag king is, I'm just going to read from you straight from Wikipedia. This says drag kings are mostly female performance artists who dress in masculine drag and personify male gender stereotypes as part of an individual or group routine. They may be lesbian, bisexual, transgender, genderqueer, or otherwise part of the LGBT community. They may also be straight. A typical drag show may incorporate dancing, acting, stand-up comedy, and singing, either live or lip-syncing to pre-recorded tracks. 
drag kings often perform as exaggeratedly macho male characters, portray marginalized masculinities such as construction workers, rappers, or they will impersonate male celebrities like Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson, and Tim McGraw. In the late 1800s and early 1900s, several drag kings became British music hall stars and British pantomime has preserved the tradition of women performing in male roles. Starting in the mid-1990s, drag kings started to gain some of the fame and attention that drag queens have known. So that is your definition. If you need to know more, the internet if you have an internet connection you should, or a library, you should be able to figure it out. So to get back to Stormy, uh, from 1955 to 1969, Delarbere toured the black theater circuit as the MC and only drag king of the Jewel Box Review, North America's first racially integrated drag review. The review regularly played the Apollo Theater in Harlem, as well as to mixed race audiences, something that was still rare during the era of racial segregation in the United States. Delarvere, who cut a striking, handsome presence, inspired other lesbians to adopt what has formerly been considered men's clothing as streetwear. She performed as a baritone. So here's a quote about Stormy from Ed Hamilton's book, Legends of the Chelsea Hotel. Stormy was the subject of the 1987 film Stormy, The Lady of the Jewel Box, produced by DC filmmaker Michelle Parkerson. The movie emphasized Stormy's appropriation of male symbols of power, such as suits and ties, in furtherance of the gay rights struggle. But Stormy's real claim to fame is that she's the, fir- the person who threw the first punch at Stonewall, the rebellion named for the bar on Christopher Street that gave birth to the gay rights movement. Prior to Stonewall, gay people were subject to arrest pretty much arbitrarily for such offenses as kissing or holding hands in public or for dressing in the clothes of the opposite sex. The police staged raids on gay bars at unpredictable times, arresting whomever they pleased. The night of June 27, 1969 was seemingly like any other with one exception. Earlier that evening, the city had mourned the passing of gay icon Judy Garland in a funeral attended by 22,000 people. Whether this had anything to do with what happened next is open to speculation, but this time when the police raided the Stonewall Bar in the early hours of June 28th, they soon found that the gay people had had enough and were ready to fight back, in particular, one formidable drag king. I doubt that Stormy went there that night looking for trouble, but she wasn't going to run from it either. When a plainclothes policeman punched her outside the bar, she retaliated, slugging him in the jaw. When asked what the policeman did next, Stormy, in an interview for the gay TV news magazine In the Life, replied with characteristic terseness, he was the one on the ground. So, before we talk about Stonewall, I just want to say I'm not here to talk shit on the police. You only have to watch the news for a few minutes to see for yourself that some police don't join the force to protect and serve their communities But then if you watch a few minutes more, you will also see police and investigators that love their communities and really do want to stand up and protect vulnerable people that 
and the communities that they love. Whatever your or my personal views about the police are does not change any of the facts about Stonewall. Many of the police officers who were in the NYPD at the time who participated in what happened at Stonewall have done interviews and in the recent past, the NYPD made an official apology. So if you want to, you can look it up and read for yourself. This is a quote from Stormy. It was a rebellion. It was an uprising. It was a civil rights disobedience. It wasn't no damn riot. Stormy preferred the word rebellion when it came to describing the events at Stonewall. She felt the term riot connotated chaos and criminality. So, in 1969, it was illegal to be gay. It was straight up illegal to be gay. So, people were closeted just to get by. You had things like the Hanky Code and the Dameron Guide to help you be able to live your life as a gay person without attracting attention to yourself, but it was unimaginably hard by today's standards just to exist day to day. As a white, straight-passing woman, no, I'm not straight, I have uh, such a huge amount of privilege that even though I try to understand and imagine the pain and pressure that gay people, especially those of color, must have gone through just to go through their daily life, I really can't. I really can't put myself in their shoes because I just was born with privilege and they weren't. I can only hope that we never go back to those dark times. Back in those days, it was common for police to raid bars that were known to them to be places where gay people would meet up. For them, it was hitting two birds with one stone because the mob owned and operated the gay bars. So from their perspective, they were cracking down on two different types of crime. They were very mildly giving the finger to the mob by raising, raiding their bars, but mostly the gay community were the ones who felt the blunt force of those raids since these were their only public places that they could go to meet. Doing drag was illegal too. You could not dress in clothes that were not of your gender. You had to have at least three articles of clothing on that were considered to be normal for whatever gender the government thought you were. So drag kings and drag queens would sometimes carry a damp cloth to wash their makeup off and extra clothes so that if something happened, they would be ready because even if you were trans, whatever the government said your gender was, that was the jail cell you were spending the night in. A trans person getting arrested and having to spend jail time in a cell block of the opposite gender is something that still happens today and is an unimaginable cruelty for them. And it wasn't like what you see on TV of people just making an arrest all calm. They would beat people with clubs and chase them down. You never just got arrested. You would get the shit beat out of you. They came in cop cars and paddy wagons so that they could arrest several people at a time in these raids. People were herded into the wagons like livestock and driven down to the police station to get booked. After the raids, the newspapers would publish the names, personal information, and sometimes pictures of people caught and arrested by the cops. Since so many people were living closeted lives, this would completely ruin people to be outed against their consent. Their families would reject them. They would get fired from their jobs. If they were in the military, they would get a dishonorable discharge, which made it hard to get a job ever again. 
any license that had to do with anything, such as practicing law, practicing medicine, even practicing as a beautician, anything like that could be taken away. If you were a teacher, you would be fired because schools didn't want gay and lesbian teachers because they were and sometimes still are considered sexual predators. If their landlord wanted to, they could kick them out on the street, which is another reason why some gay people would flock to the Chelsea Hotel because a lot of times they would be accepted there if they had gotten kicked out of somewhere else. So not only could being openly gay ruin your regular life, you could even get sent away to jail or a mental institution and be subjected to legal torture in an attempt to, quote, cure you. Times have changed, and if we don't keep talking about the past and moving forward, we will go back in the dark. So in the words of Junior LaBeja in Paris is Burning, learn it and learn it well. So straight people, think right now about your favorite hangout. Maybe it's the Starbucks where you meet your buddies before work. Maybe it's your favorite place to get mimosas with your girlfriends after a night out. Just wherever you like to go to hang out. Maybe it's an arcade, bowling alley, whatever. Now imagine your mind in your own when a bunch of police bust in, start breaking shit, and using physical violence in order to subdue you and arrest you simply for just sitting there and having a drink with your friends and not hurting anyone. Would you be outraged? Would you feel as if your civil liberties had been infringed upon? Well, okay then. On June 27th, 1969, 50 years ago this week, that is exactly what happened. At the Stonewall, a group of people minding their own business, having a good time and not hurting anyone, were raided by the police just for being there, just for existing, just for daring to simply be outside their homes in public. Judy Garland had recently passed away, and since she was a gay icon, this hurt the gay community so deeply. And how do we deal with sadness like that? We reach out. To be among our friends and people who will understand our profound sense of loss. The human need to simply be with people that understand us in our grief is partly what brought out people to Stonewall and to the other gay and lesbian hangouts that night. Maybe to feel a human connection, maybe to celebrate her life, or maybe just for a distraction from it all. The police came into the bar and turned on all the lights, pushed people to the back of the room in a building with no emergency exits or air conditioning, so it was stifling hot, and started telling people to get their IDs out, and they began to arrest people. A group of people had gathered outside the bar to see what was going on and to watch the events unfolding. Some were people in the LGBTQIA community, some were straight people who just happened to live around there. The scene at Stonewall was so crazy and such a mess that even people who were there couldn't tell you everything that was happening because it was all happening so fast and there was so much going on. Some people say that Stormy was in the back of the bar when she was being mishandled by the cops. So they then brought her out to the front of the bar where the crowd had gathered and according to reports, Stormy was being shoved into a cop car or paddy wagon. Some people say that Stormy was being roughed up by a policeman who then hit Stormy and Stormy hit back. Stormy himself says that he was hit by the cop and when he hit back, he knocked the cop out cold. The reports are conflicting about what started people fighting back against the police. Some people say that Marsha P. Johnson threw a shot glass and then later hit a cop car with a brick. Some people say that somebody else threw the shot glass but Marsha threw the brick. 
And some people say that it was Stormy punching out a cop. Some people say that they witnessed Stormy getting roughed up and loaded into a police car and then called out, why don't you guys do something? As you can see, the legends are real. Here's another quote from LGBT, L, I don't know why I keep having trouble saying this, LGBTHistoryMonth.com. At the Stonewall Riot on June 27th, 1969, DeLarvere threw the first punch. As the story goes, the New York City police raided the Stonewall Inn, a bar in Greenwich Village frequented by gay men, lesbians, drag kings, and queens. The police raids were habitual. That night, DeLarvere saw three officers ganging up on one young man and sprang to the victim's defense. One of the policemen shouted, move F word, mistaking DeLarvere for a man. The officer shoved DeLarvere, who retaliated with a punch to the face. The officer dropped to the ground, bleeding, and thus began the Stonewall Riot. Here is a quote directly from Stormy. The cops were parading patrons out of the front door of the Stonewall at about 2 o'clock in the morning. I saw this one boy being taken out by three cops, only one in uniform. Three to one. I told my pals, I know him. That's Williamson, my friend Sonia Jane's friend. Williamson briefly broke loose, but they grabbed the back of his jacket and pulled him right down on the cement street. One of them did a drop kick on him. Another cop senselessly hit him in, in from the back. Right after that, a cop said to me, move F word, thinking that I was a gay guy. I said, I will not. And don't you dare touch me. With that, the cop shoved me, and I instinctively punched him right in his face. He bled. He was then dropping to the ground, not me. That is Stormy's quote. So you can decide what you think and what you believe. Whatever it was that got people to start fighting back, fight back they did. As the police were dragging people out, the crowd could see that the police were being rough and that the people being taken from the bar were resisting. The crowd started chanting at the police and throwing pennies at them. The police got scared of the crowd and went back inside the stone wall to get away from the crowd, pushing the people that they were attempting to arrest back into the bar with them. They tried to barricade the doors and windows of the crowded bar, essentially holding the people inside hostage to wait for the dispersal of the crowd. But the crowd wasn't having any of that shit. Someone started a fire outside, and people were trying to throw fire into the building. Unfortunately, the Stonewall Inn did not have emergency exits, proper windows, good ventilation, etc. So, that was pretty dangerous. Miss New Orleans, a drag queen, along with others, tore up a parking meter to use as a battering ram to open the doors of the stone wall. It is a miracle that no one was killed. It is a true miracle because people were so hurt and angry and scared and the fires could easily have ignited the building. It's a miracle that everyone who was at Stonewall survived. The riot police arrived and formed a phalanx to move down toward Christopher Street to get to the Stonewall Inn, pushing protesters out of the way. When the riot police arrived at Stonewall, the police opened the doors and started bringing people inside to be loaded into paddy wagons. Raymond Castro resisted arrest and pushed back against the police, shoving him into the paddy wagon. And when he did, he knocked down two policemen and at that point, 
the people inside the wagon came flooding out also. At this time, the crowd surged around the inn and surrounded the area, repelling the police from the area. By this point, there were thousands of people, more protesters than police. At this point, a kick line of drag queens and protesters began in the style of the Rockettes, singing a song that they made up on the spot. This pissed the police off, and they brought out clubs and began hitting the queens and protesters in the head. In the head. At that time, more police showed up and began to destroy property. I guess to scare people into compliance. Windows were smashed. Things inside the bar were smashed. Protesters started smashing things up too and lighting stuff on fire. There was fire in the streets. People were just wrecking shit left and right. And people slashed cop cars' tires. It was crazy. At the end of the day, the people at Stonewall just wanted to dance. In the weeks following that night, it got worse. After that, people began coming to Stonewall to protest, and the cops would respond by beating innocent people with clubs and nightsticks and started to tear gas the clubs. Here's a quote that I think you should hear. It really should have been called Stonewall Uprising. They really were objecting to how they were being treated. That's more an uprising than a riot. As much as I don't like to say it, there's a place for violence. Because if you don't have extremes, you don't get any moderation. And as awful as people might think that sounds, it's the way history has always worked. I don't know if you remember the Joan Baez song, it isn't nice to block the doorway, it isn't nice to go to jail. Uh, There are nicer ways to do it, but the nice ways always fail. It was at this point that more gay organizations began to form to help inform and protect the community. They were dedicated to not letting the feeling of Stonewall and the feeling of fighting back die. A protest march was organized. The next year, in 1970, was a protest march by the LGBT community on the anniversary of Stonewall. They began on Christopher Street, near where Stonewall is located, and they marched. And as they marched, more and more people joined in, and it has been that way ever since. That protest march has since grown into Pride, and now June is National Pride Month, and Pride still is and always should be a protest, just as much as it is a celebration of ourselves. America thought we were these homosexual monsters and we were so innocent and oddly enough, we were so American. It's very American to say, this is not right. It's very American to say, you promised equality, you promised freedom, And in a sense, the Stonewall Riots said, get off our backs, deliver on the promise. So in every gay pride parade every year, Stonewall lives. I'm not here to dispute or deny anyone's claims about who started what. And I'm not now and never will claim that any one person's contribution was greater than that of another. 
One thing I do know is that Stormy was there, and Stormy's place in history should never be forgotten along with Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, Miss Major, and the other people who were at Stonewall and who have been fighting for their rights and the rights of the LGBTQIA community since the beginning until now. It is important to me to tell Stormy's story even just in the context of having lived at the Chelsea Hotel, because I believe that you can never truly die if people still remember you and are still talking about you. If we never forget Stormy, Marsha, Miss Major, Sylvia, and the rest of the LGBT legends, then they will be immortal. So let's never stop sharing their memory, okay? Here is another quote from Ed Hamilton's book, Legends of the Chelsea Hotel. It says... Stormy may not have been a great leader, but like Rosa Parks before her, she had what it took to ignite a movement. And I believe her action is destined to grow in significance as history bears out the legitimacy of the gay rights struggle. In a place where, let's face it, most of us are pursuing highly self-aggrandizing activity, she's one of the few people in the Chelsea Hotel to have done something that will continue to resonate down through the years. After this short break, we'll talk about Stormy, after Stonewall, and at the Chelsea. The same year of the Stonewall Rebellion, Stormy quit the Jewel Box Review and lost her partner, Diana, after 26 years together. After this, she became a bodyguard by day and a bouncer by night. During the day, she was a bodyguard for rich New Yorkers, and at night, she was a bouncer at gay and lesbian clubs. Particularly, she worked for her friend, Lisa Canastachi, who owned the Henrietta Hudson Lesbian Bar. Stormy would stop men who would try to harass the ladies inside or who would try to stare into the windows. She carried a registered firearm for her protection and the protection of her, quote, baby girls. She watched over like a mother hen. In addition to her work for the LGBT community, she also organized and performed at benefits for battered women and children. When asked about why she chose to do this work, she replied, somebody has to care. People say, why do you still do that? I said, it's very simple. If people didn't care about me when I was growing up with my mother being black and raised in the South, I said, I wouldn't be here. For several decades, Delarvere lived at New York's famous Hotel Chelsea, where she thrived on the atmosphere created by the many writers, musicians, artists, and actors. Here is another quote from Ed Hamilton's book, Legends of the Chelsea Hotel. This says that Stormy must have taken a vow early on never to take any shit from anyone. On the last Saturday of every June, she rides in a big white Cadillac with other veterans of Stonewall at the head of the Gay Pride Parade. Recently, that is until in 2006, one of the Japanese painter Hiroya's, Hiro, I hope I'm saying that right, paintings was stolen from the walls of the Chelsea Hotel stairwell. When I mentioned this to Stormy, now 86 years old, she seemed troubled that someone would do something so despicable. We had all grown attached to the painting, which had become something of a monument to Hiroya's passing. They got my fur hat, too, Stormy said, as if to suggest that we were in the midst of a crime wave here. How did they get your hat? I asked. 
Stole it right out of my bathroom, she said, incensed. It makes me so mad. I wish I could catch the person who did it. Was it a nice hat? A hundred dollars, Stormy exclaimed. That's what I paid for that hat. But her mood lifted a little, and she smiled a raw smile as she went on to say that she had left a note in her bathroom that read, To the thief who stole my fur hat, if I catch you, your ass is grass, and I'm the lawnmower. So here's fair warning. If you're the thief that stole that hat, it might not be best to come around the hotel for a while. And as for the rest of you, if you know what's good for you, stay out of Stormy's bathroom. This book actually has a really funny um, anecdote about um, the author Ed using Stormy's restroom by mistake. Um, it's it's really funny. Definitely, if you're interested in things about the health, the the healthy. The Chelsea, heavens to Betsy, the Chelsea Hotel, um, you're going to want to check out this book for sure. Um, there's more about Stormy in this book than there is about Stormy in any of the other um, books about the Chelsea that I've found. Here is a quote about Stormy from Jane Lau's book, This Ain't No Holiday Inn, Down and Out at the Chelsea Hotel from 1980 95 in oral history. This quote is from James Lau and also from Tim Sullivan, a resident at the Chelsea. This says, DeLarveray attained celebrity in certain circles in the 1940s and 50s as the cross-dressing MC for the Jewel Box Review drag act. Excuse me. No. Nah. My cat is trying to get my attention by scratching on stuff. Excuse me. I'm trying to read. Do you mind? Come here, baby. Come here. It's okay. Come here, darling. All right. Maybe I can read this. Um, <laughs> my chair is squeaky, so if you guys heard that, I'm sorry. Um, do, 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 do. I lost my place. A woman... Uh, nope, that's not, okay. Attained celebrity in certain circles, the, the 40s and 50s. As the cross-dressing MC for the Jewel Box Review Drag Act, a woman in top hat and tails MCing for a troop of men in gowns. Oh my gosh, my cat is knocking stuff down. She is so mad that I'm not talking to her. Um, but what made her really famous, at least in the gay community, was a punch she threw at a cop. The punch that la launched a thousand queens. And this is from Tim Sullivan. Stormy DeLarvere is 86. She is the person that punched the policeman at Stonewall in 1969. She was a male impersonator. She dressed like a man and the police were going to arrest her for wearing men's pants. She lived in the hotel for a long time. Stormy's a real character and a real icon in the gay community in New York City. She worked as a bodyguard. She was the door person at the Duchess, a famous lesbian bar where they wouldn't let men in. She hung out with everybody, including Charlie Parker. That is the end of that quote. Stormy began living at the Chelsea Hotel in 1972 and lived there until 2000. In 2000, Lisa and the Stonewall Veterans Association helped to move Stormy into a nursing home because Stormy had begun to suffer from health problems and dementia. She died in 2014 from a heart attack at the age of 93. Here's a quote from Stormy's New York Times obituary. 
Tall, androgynous, and armed, she held a state gun permit. Ms. DeLarvier roamed Lower 7th and 8th Avenues and points between into her 80s, patrolling the sidewalks and checking in at lesbian bars. She was on the lookout for what she called ugliness, any form of intolerance, bullying, or abuse of her baby girls. She literally walked the streets of downtown Manhattan like a gay superhero. She was not to be messed with by any stretch of the imagination. I have one last quote for you from Inside the Dream Palace by Cheryl Tippins. It says, That summer of 1969, the talk was all about the riot following a police raid at the Stonewall Inn, a gay bar on Christopher Street where a cross-dressing lesbian named Stormy Delarvier had been beaten so badly for decking a cop that she had to have 14 stitches in her face. Later on, she closes her book out by saying, Walt Whitman wrote over and over through the dull material world the call is made. The Chelsea is waiting for those with the ears to hear and the imagination to respond. I want to close out this episode by telling you about a website called stonewallvets.org. You can go on stonewallvets.org and find their page that is all about Stormy. Um, or you can go to stonewallvets.org slash Stormy Delarvier. It's spelled S-T-O-R-M-E-D-E-L-A-R-V-E-R-I-E. And the page is all from people who knew Stormy, all about Stormy. It's just a huge long page full of information. If you want to look at lots of pictures, um, just really, really good. Just lovingly put together. You can tell whoever put this page together spent time and they tried to make it nice. And it, there's lots of good pictures. It's just you're, if you enjoyed this episode, you're going to want to go on there and look at that. Also, I just have one last thing. Um, I want to ask that if you are able to please donate to Miss Major's fund. Miss Major was uh, very important at Stonewall um, and ha- she's now retired. Um, you can donate to her fundraiser at fundly.com slash Miss Major. That's F-U-N-D-L-Y dot com. You can be a monthly um, a monthly donator or you can just donate one time. And that's fundly, F-U-N-D-L-Y dot com slash Miss Major, M-I-S-S-M-A-J-O-R. Stay tuned after this short break to hear Audrey's fancy fiasco. Heinous Hotels is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. 
All audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of the respective trademark and copyright holders. Thanks for listening to Heinous Hotels. This podcast is brought to you by me, Jordan Rollins-Duncan, and Anchor.fm. For more Heinous Hotels, follow me on Twitter. If you have a listener story or suggestion, you can send me a DM, or you can email at heinoushotels at gmail.com. Now don't forget to check under the bed and have a safe trip home. Check in again soon with Heinous Hotels.